Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Are you ready to brawl? It is another edition of the Backyard Brawl coming up between the Pitt Panthers and West Virginia Mountaineers. This one not on the gridiron. Obviously, we know the rocking atmosphere that that one generated to open up this college football season. This one on the hardwood. And I'm Mike Osti, and we're going to preview that upcoming game this Friday. We will have George Mikulowski, our Pitt basketball beat writer, and also Ethan Bach, our West Virginia basketball beat writer, to join me to be able to talk about the Pitt Panthers and West Virginia Mountaineers. These two teams look a lot different than they looked a season ago. They're going to be a lot different than they were a season ago. And we're also going to maybe talk on what this rivalry means to these teams basketball-wise. Because you asked Jeff Capel, as George did the other day, when after he was done talking about Huggins, and he definitely is not giving you the same vibe he'd be giving you about football. So we're going to get into all of that, talk some keys to this game and the barometer of both Pitt and West Virginia. So, guys, it does feel like almost yesterday we were previewing this game a year ago, that one in the Coliseum, this game in Pittsburgh at the Pete. It's going to be our, our Ethan Bach's first time at the Pete, actually, as we were talking off the air. So that'll be cool there for Ethan. It's a nice venue, to say the very, very least, certainly from what Pitt had basketball-wise years ago and prior to the Pete. But give me your your barometer, your, your, <laughs> your, your excitement for this game and kind of the vibe that you guys are feeling around these two teams headed into this game because it is a rivalry. This game is close geographically. Obviously, I think here at Sports Now, we provide the best coverage because we got the combo force of Pittsburgh Sports Now and WV Sports Now. We're close geographically, but it's not the same as the football rivalry for sure. That's a national rivalry. That's an historic century old national rivalry with legends that have played in it. And that's why it was a national telecast to open up a season overall in college football. Not the case for the basketball version, but still a rivalry nonetheless, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it's still a rivalry. I mean, the fan bases are 100% bought in. It's going to be an intense game. We saw even last year, um, you know, the Pitt team that was kind of compiled with a bunch of transfers, a couple of young guys went into Morgantown and it was intense. You know, the atmosphere was about as intense, as packed as Pitt saw it the entire year. So the players that were there remember that. Um, but like you said, Jeff Cable didn't seem like he was, you know, too interested in talking about the rivalry <laughs> aspect of the game no. on Friday. Um, you know, Blake Hinson, Pitt's leading scorer, when asked about the West Virginia rivalry, if he knows anything about it, really, he said, oh, hey, look, I'm going to start to study up on that tomorrow. So he really didn't know much about it. Um, but I do think, um, you know, it, it's going to be a rivalry again. It's it's going to be an intense game. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, I'm excited to cover the game. I think it's going to be a blast to watch, especially, you know, with all these new players on both teams. They're, they're yeah. both really, really fun teams to look at in the beginning of a season. You know, both of them starting off 1-0, and you know, 
it, it's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, and having it to open up a season. They have a game under their belt, but really, to open up a season, this will be the toughest opponent, obviously, either has faced to open up a year here, uh, a game or so in. And to have it be a rivalry, to have it, it's not a conference game, but have it be a game that you can point to if you do win as being meaningful for you, even though, obviously, a lot of these newer players, maybe on both teams, are not familiar with this rivalry, not familiar with the history of the rivalry. The students may care about it more than anybody else, but probably not to the level of football. And Jeff Capel, somebody that he has a lot more history with Bob Huggins than he does certainly the rivalry. So maybe that's why he's downplayed it. Ethan, you have the unique difference, though, than George, that you do have the ability to cover a man that certainly knows about this rivalry and does not need to study it more than anybody on either team, maybe more than any of us covering it just for how long he's been around, and that is Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins certainly is well aware of this rivalry, the history of it. I mean, the guy grew up with it prior to even embarking on his career as a player and then a Hall of Fame coach. So is there a different tenor and vibe after you finished up with game one, got the win? Is there a backyard brawl focus that you're seeing and hearing about that's different than, say, a regular game two is he trying to hammer that home and bring that to some of these players? Because also these players, like George mentioned with the pit players and the pit transfers, they didn't grow up with it. They, they didn't have the robbery ingrained in them like maybe teams of old that had experienced this two, three years in, knee-deep in the same conference of the old Big East days, and he didn't have a portal as crazy. The players are going in and out. So is Huggins trying to make them clear this is not a regular game, even though these are the keys to beat Pitt. This is what you got to do. But this is the backyard brawl. You lose this. This is a little different in terms of how the campus will treat you. You win this. This is a little different than how the campus will treat you. Yeah, I think it's the same vibe as last year. It's it's still a rivalry game to them, but it's not, it's not the end-all, be-all. I think the team's looking more at this as a good road test at the beginning of the year. Last season, West Virginia didn't have a true road game until mid-December. Yeah. Then as soon as they got into Big 12 play, they didn't win a single road game. So it's nice <laughs> to get it's nice to get that pit trip in now, go up into a, a good environment that the pit students can actually get involved in and be excited about a rivalry game. Uh, like you said, Bob Huggins, he's the only he's probably the only person amongst yeah. the two teams, players and coaches that can go all the way back to the seventies. Right. Rivalry. Yeah. I mean, being from the area, this is beyond yep. even before he embarked on playing. Yeah. Played in it, coached in it. I mean, both, both players on each team are from different programs for the most part. Yeah. Uh, Kedrian Johnson, Emmett Matthews are really the only two players um, that even have participated in the brawl. So it, it, it's going to be interesting. I think West Virginia, though, looks at it as a rivalry game still, but at the same time, they're looking at it as a true road game test. Yeah, it's just different than football because you go into a season and obviously Pat Narduzzi is not going to say this. <laughs> Neil Brown did talk about all these rivalry games and having them be on the road and they got into a difficult schedule. But even from the Narduzzi perspective, because Pitt had back-to-back out of conference, tough opponents, even though it's been a down year for the Mountaineers with Tennessee as well. And that the quote unquote Johnny Majors Bowl. But I'd imagine that if you told them in a some type of uh 
sports almanac or something going on that you're only going to win one of these, they probably would pick the brawl. You want to win the rivalry game. That's obviously a bigger rivalry than say Tennessee is in football, despite sharing a legendary coach and, and the history between those programs. But on the basketball court, it doesn't feel necessarily the same way as George touched on. I bet West Virginia would rather beat Kansas, would rather win some conference games, would rather do really well in the gauntlet that they get every year that Huggins always talks about, where you get Baylor, Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech, those games in a row, and that string is going to occur this year for West Virginia. George, do you think it's kind of the same thing for Jeff Capel? Obviously, there's pressure. They want to win every game they can. They got to win a lot more games than they've been the last few years, especially when you bring the Or Johnson, Nelly Cummings, these players in, regardless of what happens with Ugly. And that is uncertainty that we'll get into in a moment for this team this year. But Duke, North Carolina, those conference games, Pitts had a rough go in the ACC in recent years as well. A lot of fans are putting out that we got to win this many conference games for me to be satisfied on this year and kind of a climb for the basketball program. Is it a similar vibe that he's downplaying the rivalry, but it does exist. The fans are caring about it. You're saying there's there's still a temperature about the rivalry amongst the fans and players, even if they don't know about it. But is there still maybe an emphasis that, yeah, this is a game you want to win. You want to win them all. This is a rivalry game, but this isn't, this isn't the backyard brawl in football. That if we got to pick one, we'd rather be Duke. I mean, I I would say I would say that 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 I think the the ACC games are going to mean more to this. Yeah, and team they and, do they do literally. Right, right. They they literally do. But I I don't know. I actually think that because it's so early in the season and because they won't have Hughley at a hundred percent, that this could could be a really really meaningful game. You know, for the Panthers, like as soon as they step in that gym and and see the fans packing the peat in yellow and blue, you know, Mountaineer fans everywhere, the Oakland Zoo pack, yeah. I think they'll really kick in. And no matter if they know the history of the rivalry or not, I think it's still going to be really important. And, and if they do get this win over West Virginia, that gives them some momentum going into Brooklyn where they're going to play Michigan and then either Arizona State or VCU, which are all tough opponents. Um, so I, I think there's a chance here for Pitt to gain a lot of momentum with a win. I think it'd be a massive, you know, win for Jeff Capel to, to start out year five. Uh, so, so yeah, I think there is, you know, a little more excitement around this game, even though the guys don't have, you know, the knowledge of the history yeah. of the rivalry and who knows, maybe they've been, uh, you know, studying the, the film and the, the, the history books all night, but uh, I, I think it is an important matchup for them. Maybe. Yeah. It appeared that Jeff Capel was studying up the history of Bob Huggins. So maybe, maybe they're going <laughs> to study the history of the backyard brawl uh, as well. And also, maybe, as you're kind of alluding to, and we know throughout the history of the backyard brawl that sometimes the players learn about the rivalry of the backyard brawl and get into it because of something that happens in the midst of their first experience. Right. It's just going to be different than Tennessee Martin. It's just going to be different in terms of the vibe. The fans will care more than a, than a game they figured they got to win. And I know Pitt had that game against the Citadel last year, so nothing's assured. But it's a little different atmosphere. You may have somebody of note between these rivals, because as we talk about, and we cover both of them and have our geographic connection here throughout PSN and WVSN with sports now, that you could easily have a football player, a celebrity that's a fan of these teams, other people that are of note that are no longer with these programs go to the game and be there. And that would likely have not have happened at another maybe out of conference game. A lot of West Virginia alums do live in the Pittsburgh area. 
So, and I mean, notable ones, maybe they would go. So that's a, that's a, that's a difference that I think certainly exists. And maybe it'll get a little rougher. Maybe Huggins will try to bring some fire into this. They'll see Huggins get so mad early in a game and it'll bring some in. But I do think, yeah, you both have touched on this and it's true that having this game beginning of a year that it can be a big deal and it can really propel either program. And, you know, before we get into the keys for both these two teams and how this matchup's going to look and maybe how different these two teams are this year, because again, they are really, really different. Ethan, would you say it's fair to classify as there being more pressure on West Virginia? And I ask that because I think it's pretty also fair to say there's more pressure on Jeff Capel than there is Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins wants to turn it around. We do hear every now and then from really trolls on Twitter bringing up, well, you know, if there's pressure on Neil Brown. Why not on Huggins? Well, guys, because one's in the Basketball Hall of Fame and had a Final Four and has a track record, and maybe the and the other's been there for four years. Huggins has that track record in, in front of him and behind him and all around him. So he's not going to get fired, even though last year was certainly a season that nobody wants to accept happening again. Whereas Jeff Capel needs to turn it around. He's new. He's not a pit lifer. Uh, I think some fans would certainly be really, really frustrated if they're not even sniffing, even competing in some of these games, certainly in conference again. So there's that pressure and he has fixed things there. But team wise, would you say, Ethan, that it's fair that there's more pressure in West Virginia just for the fact that Huggins is so excited? I think people think WVU is going to be a better team than Pitt this year, even if maybe not as good as maybe you'd want out of the program. Normally, there are some that think a tournament run could happen. Obviously, the Big 12 is brutal. But if you lose an out-of-conference game to Pitt and then you get into a brutal Big 12 schedule that you're pretty much assured to lose a few games probably, that puts you further down behind the eight ball than a Pitt team that probably at best is still looking at you know, middle or upper tier of the conference if they really turn it on. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on Jeff Capel, obviously, in year five. Right. But nobody's really thinking about the pressure on West Virginia. They're on a 10-game road losing streak. Um, this is one of this is one of their two premier non-conference road games, this and Xavier in December. Uh, they have to win this game because if they don't, like, it's not going to be. It's not going to look good on their resume. This, will, regardless of it being a road game, it'll probably be yeah. a quad three road game loss, depending on how Pitt does the rest of the season. Um, just resume building wise, it wouldn't be a good loss, especially after the entire off season of them bringing in ten new players, all who are expected to have immediate impact. Um, just meshing them all together and just the hype behind this team of West Virginia basketball coming back and. Uh, build retooling a team through the transfer portal. This is this is a big game for them. Obviously, if they lose, they have other opportunities to rebound. They have Portland, the Portland tournament, Phil Knight Invitational, Thanksgiving weekend. Right. Uh, like I said, at Xavier, the whole Big Twelve, Auburn, UAB. Yeah, they play play Auburn even though it's at home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have so many other opportunities to win um, and kind of neutralize the game if they did happen to lose and yeah. happen to be a bad loss, but. There is definitely pressure on West Virginia, this game that nobody's talking about. Yeah, I feel like it's really not being addressed that much. Jordan Mikulowski, our Pitt basketball beat writer with Pittsburgh Sports Now. Ethan Bach, our West Virginia Mountaineers basketball beat writer with WVSN. Go to those two outlets for all the game coverage before, during, after the game. It'll all be there, also on social, on Mike Osti, as we are previewing the basketball version, the hoops version, of 
the backyard brawl. And I think it's crazy what we saw football-wise open up a year. We're not going to live up to that. It's not going to be that bar. It's just not going to happen. But hopefully, I think for fans, media players, and everyone alike, even though there's a lot of new cast of characters for both these two teams, that it, it does bring you some semblance of a rivalry, whether it's being downplayed or not. And and looking at those schedules in front, as Ethan, as you mentioned, with West Virginia, I think another reason why there's more pressure on West Virginia to win this game, even though they both are coming off really bad years last year, because you could argue maybe that's neutral because they just both sucked last year and they got to do better. And there's more pressure on Capel as a coach, for sure. You're not going to fire a basketball Hall of Famer who's a lifer at your school, basically, and grew up there before coming in to be a coach and led you to your first Final Four since Jerry West. It's just not going to happen. But uh, you also have a tough schedule later in the year. So a lot of the games that you're touching on, besides the Xavier one, later on in the season, certainly ranked teams in the Big 12, you're going to have Auburn out of conference, ranked, likely still ranked. That'll be a home game. But if West Virginia goes into January with a below 500 record or already having lost several games, including big games like this one, which would really be that biggest early in the season, that'll put you well behind the eight ball. The vibe will be bad. Huggins will be upset. And then you're going to probably lose some games the rest of the season because the schedule will get tougher. So they kind of have the advantage. They could stack wins. If West Virginia stack wins, they could be a ranked team once they get into those tough games. If not, though, and if you lose this one, then it's going to be a major problem. George, you have a lot more to discuss, and you've had a lot more to cover in general with the Pitt Panthers, and that's an understatement uh, going into this season. Obviously, a lot happening off the court with Pitt. You mentioned Ugly and whether he's there at 100% and what he can offer this season. It's all up in the air, really. Now, Jeff Capel did do a lot of work, kind of like Bob Huggins with the transfer portal. This offseason, I think what a lot of fans were calling for, that, hey, after Justin Champagny and kind of himself trying to do it on his own, Pitt fans just didn't want to wait around and basically punt years. And that's kind of what it felt like last year. He did work. Brought in a hometown boy in L.A. Cummings who wants to be there, already experienced the tournament. He's made it clear that he wants to bring Pitt back to glory, even if it's happening after him. He wants to be part of that bridge. Dior Johnson, I think, surprised a lot of people. There are players there for Pitt, and more than one, that, that if one's down, the other one can pick them up. How does this Pitt team shake out to you so far from what you've seen? How do you think the lineup's going to look? How should it look? How it's, how it's going to kind of morph throughout the season or could morph throughout the season, mostly off the questions uncertainty around Ugly. And for a Pitt fan that maybe hasn't been paying attention during all the work you've been putting forth this offseason, what's going to be different in comparison to last year? Because it's it's totally a 180 flip. Yeah, so Pitt's got a lot more depth this season. They've got a lot more veteran experience. They've got a lot more shooting talent. Those were kind of uh, the, the three things that Pitt wanted to address in the transfer portal this offseason. They did get Dior Johnson, four or five-star recruit, but he is suspended indefinitely right now after – being arrested, he's going through you know court case yeah. right now, so right. Uh, they won't have him against West Virginia. The next update we'll have on Dior is probably in December. Um, so the guys they did bring in, you said Nellie Cummings, Pittsburgh kid, point guard who played at Colgate, took him to the NCAA tournament, posted 20 points you know, in a tournament game against Wisconsin. He's been to the highest level that Pitt wants to get at. He, he's been to the NCAA tournament. He's won a conference. So Nellie Cummings was a massive addition, you know. He struggled shooting the ball on Monday night at UT Martin, um, but he scored eight points, dished out seven assists. You know, there's there's nobody that Pitt's had in the past few years 
that's been able to set his teammates up like Cummings is. And when he gets hot, he can be one of the best three-point shooters in the country. You know, he came to Pitt last season uh, with Colgate, and they played at the Peterson Event Center. And at the time, Nelly was literally the number one three-point shooter in the country. You know, that was during the non-conference schedule, but right. uh, he's he's got the chance to, to be a really potent shooter for Pitt. Uh, in addition to Cummings, they brought in Greg Elliott, another shooter from the wing. You know, he played a couple years at Marquette. Uh, another veteran guy who's who's going to camp out on the wing and he's going to shoot threes. That's what Greg Elliott's going to do. Um, he's going to be another solid piece. He, I think he had three against UT Martin, but all these guys haven't been shooting as well as Pitts said they had in practice, as well as they had in previous years with different teams. So I think Pitts really gotten much stronger from outside the arc. Um, obviously, John Hughley, when he's at 100%, is going to be a force in the paint, all ACC yeah. caliber player. Um, who knows how much he'll play against West Virginia. We really won't know until game time, I believe, um, with that. But he was cleared to start practicing again a few days ago. So who knows? There's a chance that Hughley coming in. The two new guards that came in are solid. Then you have Demarius Burton, who's also a co-host of the Just Buckets podcast on PSN. There you um, go. To, there you go. You can certainly plug that. That's been a fantastic listen to this point. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. So Jamarius Burton, in all seriousness, no, he's he's a tough guard. He's an attacker. Uh, he didn't play against West Virginia last season due to a lower uh, leg injury. So he came back shortly after that last season. So um, West Virginia fans didn't get a look at him as much as Pitt fans did throughout the year, obviously. Uh, Burton's a tough guard. He's going to come in. He's going to try to uh, you know, get in the paint, set up his teammates. Uh, he also had seven assists in the win over UT Martin. So Burton combined with Cummings and Elliott, uh, the shooters, you know, Burton's not going to really kill you from outside, but combined with those other shooters, it gives this offense a real versatile look. Um, and then obviously Blake Hansen's the guy that, you know, I mentioned a bit, um, but he's he's been the star so far. You know, 27 points, 9 of 18 from the field, 13 rebounds, 4 or 5 threes, you know, in that game against UT Martin. No one really saw this coming except probably Blake himself. He's a confident kid. Uh, but overall, this pit team is you know a lot more fun to watch this season. Uh, they've got a lot of new pieces, and uh, they shoot a lot of threes. You know, they shot 41 <laughs> threes against UT Martin. If more than 11 cash in, uh, you know, they can really get hot. And the thing I I looked at the box score of the first West Virginia game against Bowling Green. Uh, they you know they gave up a lot of three point attempts to Bowling Green. Bowling Green obviously I think only made six of 25. Uh, so and also turned the ball over a bunch. So if Pitt's veterans can play to their strengths, hit three pointers, take care of the ball, I think that gives Pitt, you know, could give Pitt a slight advantage here. You know, West Virginia also turned the ball over what 19 times against Bowling Green. So who knows? I, I don't know how much pressure Pitt's going to put on West Virginia, you know, press Virginia. I don't think they can replicate what, uh, you know, Huggins squads do, but I think it's, it's going to be an intense game. It's going to be fun to watch. And the personnel on Pitt's side, if they play to their strengths, they, they really have a chance, even if they don't have Hughley inside, although that'll be a, another challenge in itself. Yeah, and I, I think Ethan was shaking his head there. I think you kind of laid out the blueprint that if somebody would tell you Pitt's going to win this game, it probably is they get hot from three. West right. Virginia allows too many open shots. Maybe you get careless with the basketball. West Virginia got a win. But as Ethan can tell you, I don't think Huggins was thrilled with the victory or kind of how that went down or or the, the level of play. You mentioned the turnovers there. So he's never satisfied. He doesn't really have a happy face. But that wasn't exactly the best of West Virginia you would figure this year. And Ethan, before I get back to you, George, you mentioned Dior Johnson. 
and the uncertainty there and not being available for a while, Ugly in the cloud there. And Pitt fans may say, well, yeah, Jeff Capel did bring in these players and Ugly obviously had been there, but Dior talked about maybe coming because of Ugly and players wanting to play with him. So that's what you have to do to kind of fix this team and Ugly staying that was big and allowed this team to kind of bridge to have a successful year and capable maybe to stabilize himself on whatever the future will be for the program. But as you touched on, would you also say that unlike in past years where if you're one and your two best players have clouds over them and are missing games, your team's done, but there's enough depth for this pit team that they actually could say, win this game could win other games could be quality before we get those answers, because we don't know when we're going to get those answers. And this ship is not totally sunk because you're one and two or dealing with uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that the Dior Johnson situation is really going to affect Pitt um, all that much, you know, on the court. I, I think he's obviously a tremendous talent. I think from what we saw in high school from him, you know, highlights, I, I, I didn't scout him in person, yeah. um, but obviously we didn't see anything of him in a pit uniform. He wasn't playing in those exhibition games, uh, right. not the first game against UT Martin. So we didn't see enough from his side from, for at least me to believe that he would have made a massive difference to this pit team. That's I think fair. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think these veteran guards, you know, work well together. Uh, we saw the other day, uh, Nelly Cummings and Greg Elliott were both chucking up threes. It, it wasn't a problem of who had the ball in their hand. It wasn't a problem of one guy shooting all the time. They all got their chance to shine. They all got their chance to score. And then as Cummings and Burton kind of started to struggle a bit, uh, you know, shooting the ball, they, they started setting up Elliott. They started setting up Hinton. you know, they fed Hinton the ball when he got hot. So he even chucked up 12 threes in that first game. So they've got, you know, an, enough guys with talent, with experience, uh, you know, and, and with shooting and scoring ability that I, I really don't see a huge drop off at all from this team, you know, after a guy like that, a four or five star talent right. uh, gets suspended. And in past years, you know, you, you couldn't say that. They didn't have any shooters last year. They had freshman Nate Santos starting games last season because they didn't have any other guards. Yeah, you know? they would have needed him. If they got a four or five star, he would have been relied on a lot more early on, whether that's good or right. bad for the team. And that actually might have been bad for his development. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, if, <laughs> if they had a four or five star come in last year, ready to play, ready to contribute, right. he would have had a massive role. They just didn't really have anyone else um, that could score the ball very well. Right. A lot of pressure was on Burton. A lot of pressure was on Femi Cali. Now it's Seton Hall. Um, and then John Hughley, of course, was was double teamed legitimately every game <laughs> down the stretch. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of different pieces on this new roster. And I think Capel's got to be you know, ecstatic with with what he has, even though he doesn't have Johnson right now. Yeah. And also the 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 aspect of last year of not having Nike Sabandi after the year earlier and having him emerge and being a player that people thought Pitt maybe could count on and then him not being there. Jordan Michalowski of Pittsburgh Sports Now or Ethan Bach of WV Sports Now. Now, Ethan, I know we touched on a little bit on how the Mountaineers are going to be different in terms of style of play this year and Huggins being excited, but certainly needing a better effort than against Bowling Green that George talked about and talking with George about the impact players for Pitt that some of them are household names at other places that I think Pitt fans are at least familiar with. And, and talent being there that adds depth. Who are some West Virginia players that maybe fans are not as familiar with that West Virginia is going to really rely on for both sides, for fans of both teams to be aware of that 
are going to have an impact in this game, are going to have an impact this season. Who do you think is going to be West Virginia's best player and team MVP for this team to have a quality year? Because that could be a different dynamic than in past years as well. And is this a team like when West Virginia is really good, there usually is one player and then everyone kind of is around the, the, the nucleus of that player. Is that going to be this way this year, or are they going to rely on more of a depth and kind of an overall unit that might be why Connor Huggins is excited? Because this might be one of those coach him up, get the most out of my guys, have talent there. I'm upset in the apple cart from a year ago because that wasn't good enough. And let's go. Yeah, I think uh, West Virginia is definitely going to rely on depth this year. Uh, you you have got you have go to guys. It seems like that are going to step up, like Eric Stevenson, Emmett Matthews, Trey Mitchell. Those are all double. Those are all double-digit scoring uh, guys. Eric Stevenson will always have the ball in his hand in transition. Seems like uh, the outlet pass goes right to him every time. Um, Joe Tucson as well, Iowa transfer point guard. He's very smart uh, with the ball. Assist turnover ratio was great at Iowa. I'm pretty sure it was a two point three assist turnover ratio. Also plays great defense. Um, I just think this team's going to have to rely on depth for sure between all of the transfers that they brought in and between all of the young guys that they have. They have a weird mixture of fifth-year seniors and seniors yeah, yeah. and then freshmen and sophomores. Um, <laughs> but out of, out of those against Mount St. Mary's, a lot of the a lot of the underclassmen played well that got in. Muhammad Wagi was definitely – the MVP of the underclassmen, nine points, nine rebounds, and near double double, yeah, four yeah. five shooting. He ha- he's very very athletic. And then Josiah Harris and James Akongwa, they both showed heart. Like they both showed toughness. They were get they both combined for ten rebounds and created. I, I'm, they created five extra possessions just out, off of those two. That was another game, though, that we talked to Bowling Green and kind of before the season got underway in terms of the exhibition. But that was another game that opened up the year. You get a win. But I think there are a lot of Mountaineer fans that were like, OK, we're happy to have a team to cheer for. The football team's losing a lot of games here. You got a victory. And Huggins didn't appear satisfied there, though. That didn't appear to be the best of West Virginia. Or it also appears that you could argue that if West Virginia plays like that against Pitt or against these other opponents, they could lose. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia, I'll, I'll I'll disagree with Hugs because uh, he'll never be satisfied with well, how many re- with how many right. rebounds they get. They could get right. they could get seventy rebounds that's in a game and he'd be fair. he'd be angry. Um, but West Virginia pulled down forty five rebounds. I don't care high major, mid major, low that's major. A lot of rebounds. That doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> happen. That doesn't happen last season. No. Um, they were actually like creating extra possessions or second chance point opportunities. They play, They played well. Seventy six fifty eight though, is that shouldn't that score have been more? I don't know. I guess that's where I, you go to. Mount St. Mary's only had they only had about thirty points uh, midway through the second. Yeah, half. yeah. Just, it it, pick, it certainly picked up. Yeah, yeah and that could they, be. I think what Huggins was talking about in his post game in terms of the late game defense that he wasn't thrilled with because I know that last year, as you know, they didn't close games well at all last year. No, no, at no. all. <laughs> like, at all, and it was oh. it was kind of it was kind of similar uh, last game too. Mount St. Mary's uh, just behind Jalen Benjamin, their their main guard. I mean, he just they he, they were anything that they would shoot from three would go in, and Mount St. Mary's was able to cut it down to single digits at one point. I know and West Virginia pulled away again. So that if that's one thing that Pitt can expose West Virginia for is uh, it's it's on the perimeter. It's perimeter shooting, perimeter defense, and it's kind of been. 
the recipe to beat West Virginia for the last few years, I feel like. I feel like that's one constant that has existed here. Jordan Mikulowski, Ethan Bach here, Mike Osti, as we're previewing the Backyard Brawl, the Hardwood edition. It's not the football game. It's not the football rivalry, but it's one nonetheless. George, what what's the key to this game for the Panthers to get the win outside of just hitting three-point shots? Because obviously that is a key, hitting three-point shots, taking advantage of however many West Virginia gives you, and they're going to give you some. Obviously they don't want to give you as many as they've been giving teams they've been playing this year with this group. But taking advantage of those shots and hitting those shots, maybe you got to have a hot day, which there's some luck involved there. What else besides that is a key to this game for you from the pit perspective that has to occur for Pitt to win, and then on the flip side of that, if this is just an ugly day and, and Pitt doesn't win, what probably occurred, out, you know, from the Panthers' perspective of maybe what they didn't do? Yeah, so I think another key for Pitt, you know, obviously outside of uh, shooting outside, like we said, I think they got to hold on to the ball, obviously, uh, not turn the ball over. You know, these guys came in, they're veterans. That should be their strength by now is – you know, not folding under pressure, not turning the ball over um, in that kind of environment. Uh, I also think defensively for Pitt, I think handling Trey Mitchell, handling Emmett Matthews is going to be a big deal for them. Uh, you know, obviously I didn't get a look at Trey Mitchell in that, uh, in, in those two games, you know, that West Virginia's had. Um, but, you know, obviously he's a versatile six foot nine, right? Big man. So he's going to be a problem for Pitt because, you know, Hughley is not going to be at full strength. Behind Hughley, they have Federico Federico, former West Virginia commit um, out of the junior college <laughs> you ranks. You got to like saying the name. Oh, yeah. So nice. <laughs> you got to say it twice. So yeah. Yeah. Federico actually has played, you know, pretty well so far for Pitt. You know, he's a guy that's going to clean up the glass. He'll uh, catch some lobs and, and he'll finish inside if you can get it to him in good position. So he's been going up in the pick and roll on offense, you know, rolling off and, and Probably he's, he's going to average like three or four dunks a game in this early non-conference slate when Hughley's not out there. Um, so it, it's going to be tough for him, though, on defense because, you know, he's a, a young guy. Tim O'Toole, Pitt's associate head coach, has been working on, you know, making him more physical, uh, you know, toughening him up because he's still a young guy. He's an international player uh, from the Juco ranks. It's not exactly uh, John Hughley. So he's he's got a lot of, you know, work to do down low defensively. I think if West Virginia takes advantage of that down low, if they if Pitt doesn't have Hughley, uh, you know, playing a lot, I think West Virginia can, you know, attack the inside. Uh, but then they, they do have Blake Hinson, who is 6'7", 235, 240. Um, although he plays on the wing, he can still body up, play defense down low. So I think defensively, the, the paint's going to be a big thing for, uh, you know, Pitt to try to control. I think West Virginia, you know, turned the ball over a lot, you know, early on in the season. So did you know, pit a little bit. They looked kind of sloppy, but uh, it's really going to come down to, you know, who's going to make more shots outside. I don't think West Virginia is a particularly strong team from outside. Um, and, and when you have these uh, two teams with a bunch of new guys together, I think that could really be the edge. Uh, that can really be, you know, the difference is will Eric Stevenson get hot or will Blake Hinson get hot? <laughs> you know, it could be any of those yeah. guys. Like I don't think Joe Toussaint's really going to be a threat scoring the ball. Um, I don't know too much about, you know, Kedrian and, uh, you know, Emmett Matthews, but I know that they've had strong starts to the season. So um, it, it's going to be a fun one to watch. And, and yeah, I think those are some of the keys, you know, that I'm looking for. Yeah. And I also think it's probably a situation that 
Pitt maybe would have a more likelihood of being able to come back. This is probably a situation that if Pitt can hit some of those shots early in the game and get right. West Virginia frustrated into foul trouble, that has also been a problem the last couple of years, even though obviously this is a different team, then it might be hard for West Virginia to come back with their style of play, even though they're they're getting rebounds they never got before to you know extend possessions. Ethan, what what's the keys for the Mountaineers here outside of just rebound, rebound, and rebound? And Huggins not satisfied with forty five. I'm not sure what he really wants unless he wants to set records every game. But outside of doing more of that and finally getting up to a number that Huggins likes rebounding wise, what else does West Virginia need to do to beat Pitt? And if this say is a bad look, and you mentioned potentially a quadrant three loss, depending on how Pitt ends up playing the rest of this season, then what maybe occurred on a negative end is, is this more of a game that if, if West Virginia plays the game and plays well, they should win. But if they get away from themselves, maybe they'll lose. For example, they're vulnerable. Pitt's better than in past years. But if West Virginia loses, would you classify this one as probably a game that, that West Virginia can kind of look in the mirror as why they lost? And what do they need to do to ensure they don't lose and get this way? Yeah, I agree with George. West Virginia has to make threes uh, this game. They don't have to keep up with Pitt because Pitt's a much better perimeter shooting team. But at least, like, at least if you can't hit threes, go inside and get a layup. They shot twelve of seventeen on layups in the fir- in the season opener. Another thing that wouldn't happen last year. They would miss every layup yeah, last they year. Did. They did. <laughs> so, <laughs> they couldn't rebound and they couldn't hit layups. It's amazing so, that Huggins didn't quit midseason. It's, you know. Especially if Hughley's out or limited. Um, especially stretch the floor, Trey Mitchell. He can knock down threes. He knocked down two of three threes against Mount St. Mary's. He can score at all three levels. Get Trey Mitchell the ball. They need to identify a go-to guy, whether that's Trey Mitchell, Emmett Matthews, Eric Stevenson. They need to identify a go-to guy because they don't they don't have that identity right now. Who should that guy be? Because I know you were very vocal on who you wanted it to be last year, and it didn't go in that direction, and the team didn't win. So maybe Ethan Bach could say, hey, listen to me. <laughs> Who's your prediction? that who, who does it need to be this year, and who do you think it's going to be? I, I think it should be Trey Mitchell. But what I think it will be, it will be a collective effort between Stevenson, okay. Matthews, and Mitchell. Okay. You learned your lesson from last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it's reverse psychology. Trey, Trey Mitchell, Trey, like I said, Trey Mitchell will score all three, all three levels on the floor. He can score inside mid range three point, stretch the floor. He can, he can body somebody inside. He averaged seventeen and a half at UMass his freshman year. He can do it. He's, uh, he's able to lead an offense. Uh, he play, he scored thirteen points off. 14 limited minutes and that's with him saying yeah i haven't practiced with the team until yesterday which was monday or sunday so just limited minutes he scored 13 points and was able to honestly do it relatively easy so even if even if Pitt does have hugley and then if they can if trey mitchell can stretch the floor floor with hugley or federico guarding him um they'll be if they can hit threes they have a chance to win they just also have to limit turnovers it's another issue that they've They've had that's an issue that they've had during practice. Huggins said that during practices will be high 20s, maybe even 30 turnovers of practice. So just throwing it out of bounds or missing a teammate. Um, that's those are the two keys that I have for West Virginia just handling business on Friday. Yeah. And if they want to uh, watch some college football or watch some NFL games, I'd probably rebound and play well and win this game because Huggins has also been known to, uh, Throw a random uh, lesson on the treadmill on Sunday and not watch any NFL. Uh, so so I don't, they could ruin their weekend with this being Friday night as well. 
Guys, I guess uh, any final thoughts here about the backyard brawl that's about to come our way? It's not the football game. I mean, that I, I, again, that was a Pittsburgh sports record. I was there covering it on the football side. That was maybe the most rocking atmosphere of experience on either side in a while, and certainly Pitt fans in a game at at Pittsburgh and the celebrities and everyone that was there. I don't know if that's going to be duplicated again. I mean, that, that Morgantown's a college town, Pittsburgh's a pro town. I'm not sure that can be duplicated next year in Morgantown. That was just so crazy. And the hunger that hadn't been there for a decade of not having that game through generations of fans and players and all of that. And that's not the case here. The game has been played. The institutions have made sure this game could get played. It's easier to schedule games in the college basketball than certainly in football. A lot more options at a conference to make these games happen. They've made it happen. They want it to happen. It's early in the season. Fans, Jeff Capel, maybe not too sure about it. Fans, I guess, are, you know, wait and see. They're getting excited, but you got to actually get in there. The players are learning about it. They don't know. They need to study ahead of time. So any final thoughts and then a prediction from both of you about uh, the 2002 backyard brawl basketball-wise? So I'll start us off. You know, I, I think obviously I uh, don't have too much else to add, but I, I think it's going to be a good game. I think the the intense environment uh, will definitely be there. I, I think it can't live up to the football game. You know, yeah. you're not going to have you're not going to have the hype around it. You're not going to have yeah. the pick six, you know, the, the great game by – uh, you know, the quarterbacks and, and everything that yeah. came with that football game. And but, Neil Brown trying to fight referees at the end of the game. Right. Like it's just, I mean, that, that, the energy that was there, it was like it was like it was a, a, a playoff game, a championship game. Right. There were so many moments yeah. in that game that you can take away and, and, you know, write a story about. There were so many things that happened. So, uh, but I do think it's going to be a good game. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, how Pitt handles the pressure because they're such a new group. Also, West Virginia. Um, and how both teams shoot the ball, how we're, how much we're going to see of John Hughley, because he's obviously – he was the big story coming into the season for Pitt. You know, nobody yeah. was really talking about Blake Hinson. It was John Hughley's team. So, um, obviously, his injury, we're going to see how up to speed he is, how healthy he looks. Um, and, yeah, for a prediction, oh, geez. I, I, I initially, in my season preview, I had West Virginia winning this game. Oh, okay. Um, so I had Pitt starting off the season one and two with losses to West Virginia and then Michigan and Brooklyn. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, gosh, man, I, I don't know. I, I think, I guess I would say I'll go with West Virginia taking it home, uh, okay. you know, by a couple points. I think it's going to be a really close game. I haven't seen a spread out there yet, uh, but I'm sure I, I know the FPI on ESPN was like 53% West Virginia or something. So I'm sure it'll be a really tight spread. Obviously, Pitt home court advantage, but as you guys know, a lot of Mountaineer fans will be in attendance. So I guess I'll say West Virginia by a couple, but I'm I'm really right on the line there. I think it'll be a great game. Yeah, I, I agree with George. Uh, I have West Virginia by single digits, whether that's one point or nine points. Um, I, it's definitely, definitely a closer game. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I wish Vegas worked like that. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, I don't, I can't see West Virginia just blowing Pitt out on the road, obviously. Right. Um, I could also see Pitt stealing this game just off of their shooting. Uh, it's, it just, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a closer game than last season. I like Capel's roster way more than I have the last few years. He actually, yeah. it, Pitt actually looks like a team for once in a while. hundred percent. So yeah. It, it will be, it's just, especially with both teams bringing in nine, 10 new players, like anything can happen. 
it really just comes down. It, it just comes down to how they mesh early on as new teammates, all from different levels. So I'll take West Virginia by single digits. You're almost, you're almost kind of tempting me to pick Pitt to win this game, to be honest with you. It's good TV. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. It's, you're almost tempting me to do it. I'm gonna, I, it, I'm gonna say West Virginia wins this game, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, couch it that I would not in any way be surprised that if Pitt wins this, and I'll probably punch myself that I didn't just go out and do it <laughs> because yeah, I, I, I think, I think West Virginia is gonna win this game, but it's gonna be a close game. It'll be one of those games that Huggins will use to trying to send a message to the team. I think it'll be a situation where West Virginia is gonna be winning early in the year, but he's not really gonna be thrilled with how they're playing, and maybe we'll see what that leads to. Pitt does have that tough tough game against Michigan coming up as well. Maybe Pitt will impress, even though they're not winning, you know, don't win this game. And unlike last year, even though West Virginia's season went completely in the tubes, going into that game, it was West Virginia kind of a heavy favorite. And I don't think anyone expected it to be as bad of a year as it was for West Virginia. But going into last season, everyone kind of expected Pitt is just not going to be good this year. It kind of was expected for them to have a bad year. This is a year that we can preview this all day. Nobody really knows because there's not that many games under the belt of these players together in a game action, certainly not nearly to this level. This will be the biggest game that any of these guys have played together as a unit, and they are more of teams. They're different than last year, and there's pressure on both of them. But this, the, these, these teams are just completely different looks than a season ago. I'd say especially for Pitt. So, and Huggins wants to make his team a lot different than last year. So we will see the way it's going to be fun. It will be. A rivalry atmosphere, I do think. It won't be the football game, obviously. It won't be that kind of vibe. But I do think the Oakland Zoo, they're already talking about it on Twitter. They kind of did send a message to themselves, as George knows, entering this season that the team needs to step up. We need to step up as well. So this will be that test. This is, this is you know, a rival coming in that's close to you. And if the Oakland Zoo does not bring it and step up, there will be West Virginia fans that will embarrass them. So I think there's pressure there that it'll make it cool amongst the fans. And as you're going to have a close geographic game, you're going to have more media coverage than you probably would have for Tennessee Martin. So uh, in terms of a, a, a packed press box, so we're all going to be there. Not everyone was going to be there for those other games. So that'll add something to this as well. Jordan Michalowski of Pittsburgh Sports Now. He is our pit basketball beat writer, Ethan Bach of West Virginia Sports Now. I'm Mike Austin. Again, head over to PSN, head over to WVSN all of our game coverage, post-game coverage, and then how that trickles on after the game and leads these two teams on whatever paths they may embark on the rest of the season. But having this early in a year is cool. And I do this every time the backyard brawls play, but you got to really hand it to them basketball-wise as kind of this this season kicks off and as this kind of leads into the rest of the year for both of these two teams. Big win for both programs to make sure this game happens because the back, they're not in the same conference anymore. They haven't been for a while, whether it be football, basketball or whatever. And to play baseball at PNC park, even if these programs didn't and both programs did not want this game to happen. This game would not be happening anywhere near as consistently on the basketball floor and really at all football wise. So if you like it as a Pitt or West Virginia fan, if you like covering it as a media member, if you're a player that's going to learn about it now and get more into it, if you're Huggins that likes having it, maybe capable will, get uh interested in it at some point uh <laughs> it's it's the thanks uh, of both of these programs 
working together, Shane Lyons and Heather Like. So say what you want about them out, outside of this. But if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be having this. Uh, and that's an important thing. I think it is a positive for sure. So for George, for Ethan, I'm Mike Osti, And that'll do it as we previewed the upcoming Backyard Brawl. Can't reach what the football game put forth. But I think it's going to be a good one nonetheless. And a lot of intrigue heading into a rivalry game. I'm going to call it a rivalry game. So we'll see if it actually proves me right when that game gets underway on Friday night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.